powerful name that we can close worship saying it is well. Because of who you are, we can say it is well. God, we thank you for that. God, you said in the Beatitudes that blessed are those who mourn. We don't know the mathematics behind that sometimes. God, the kingdom mathematics behind that equation. But you said, blessed are those who mourn, God. So I pray that you bless us here tonight. God, let your spirit be here ministering and blessing each heart, bringing hope where hope needs to be, peace where peace needs to be, uh, faith where there's maybe doubt, frustration, or bitterness, Lord God. But we just pray your Holy Spirit will be here uh, ministering to every heart. God, we know that Denise is in paradise. It's here, God, where we truly need your ministry, Lord God. So we just ask that your spirit will be here tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, you guys can be seated. Um, thank you for that. Uh, and, and welcome to City Life. There's been multiple people that have posted about Denise tonight, and multiple people have said Denise was the first person that greeted them. Denise was the warmest face in the room. So welcome to, to City Life. We talk all the time here at City Life about community and that hoping you feel at home the moment you step into the church. We talk about getting rooted into the family of faith, and hopefully if you've been coming here for any amount of time, that's been the reality for you as God knits us together. Some of us have been a part of planning this campus. This campus was planted about two years ago. Um, but then there were others that came as a part of that plant team that have been a part of City Life Newport News for uh, the better part of a decade or, or more for some people. And uh, as we talk about this analogy of redwoods where their roots don't go very deep, just like we're, we're just passing through this life, and then we go join God for eternity. But our roots are called to go out horizontally, to, to link up with those around us, to to literally hold each other down in seasons like this. And, and for some of us, our, our roots were deeply connected uh, with Denise, who went to be with God at about 3.30 this morning. And uh, she battled uh, aggressive cancer for some time. But uh, Stuart Scott, forgive me, he's an ESPN anchor, but he battled cancer. And he once eloquently put it, he said, when you die, that doesn't mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and the manner in which you live. And if that was the bar, then Denise Thomason beat cancer with a resounding blowout victory. So she was full of grace. She was full of faith to the very end. She was praising God to the very end. Even being there in the hospital yesterday, uh, the last time Steph saw her, they were laughing, eating waffle fries, and just talking about life. She had joy till those last moments. And uh, a, a song that's been a soundtrack for me these past couple days um, as, as we've just been going through everything, is one of her favorites. It as well was probably her favorite, but I know she was the one that introduced me to this uh, live version of Even When It Hurts. It's called Praise Song by Hillsong United. And the last words of that song are, even when the morning comes, I'll praise you. Even when the fight is won, I'll praise you. Even when my time on earth is done, louder than I'll sing your praise. And what I always remember about Denise is she was like the loudest person in this room, right? She worshiped the loudest I would be up here on guitar next to the baptism with my ears in, and I could hear her worshiping back by the soundboard. Like, and when I'm preaching, she was giving the loudest come-ons and amens. So just let you guys know, you got some big shoes to fill in terms of those areas. And I know that in eternity, she's going to be praising, saying amen, come on, and praising loudly into eternity. Because how many of you guys know heaven's going to be loud? But that's a whole other sermon for another time. But maybe you're visiting and you're thinking, what did I just walk into, right? This is heavier. Maybe you've only been coming for a couple of weeks and you're like, I don't even know who uh, Denise Thomason was. Well, this is still for you. Um, in Ecclesiastes, in God's word, it says we should pause and take death to heart. So you can take this, you can apply it. Because in so many ways in life, we attempt to gloss over or avoid 
thinking about eternity, thinking about it at one day every one of our lives are going to end. Right? And we've been preaching this summer about cell phones and technology, about how sometimes we embrace those distractions because they enable us to avoid thinking about the deep matters of life. But in these moments, days like today, nights like tonight, you can't really tiptoe around it, right? It's the elephant in the room, but C.S. Lewis once said, it's hard to have patience with people who say there is no death or death doesn't matter. There is death and whatever is matters. Death matters and like Ecclesiastes, we should take it to heart. But maybe not in ways you would traditionally think. I just want to hit on a couple points tonight because as believers in the good news of Jesus Christ, we take it to heart in a different way. There's just a couple ways I want to talk about tonight, two with death and two with life, or Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But just to hit on death, two things about death. Death is a defeated enemy, a vanquished enemy, a conquered enemy, but then death is also an evangelist, an unlikely evangelist. But first, death is this defeated enemy. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Then it says in verse 55, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, Jesus has robbed victory or robbed death of its sting. He's robbed death of the final word. What appeared to be a final death, Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and buried was actually the extinction of death as we know it. Death isn't the exit to extinction. It's the entrance to eternity. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived a legendary life resisting Nazis before they captured and killed him and executed him, he said, death is the supreme festival on the road to freedom. You know, Paul says elsewhere in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says in verse 19, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You know, we can't afford to put off thoughts of eternity because that's where hope is found. And Denise believed it. We as a church believe this, that in Psalm 27, verse 13, it says, I would have given up hope if I didn't think I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And just realizing that eternal life, as the Bible talks about it, it affects our today. It affects our now that God wants to invade your present reality. And if God hasn't, then you've got an eternal problem. And that's how death can be this unlikely evangelist. One commentator on the book of Ecclesiastes, he said that death is the great mentor for diligence, sobriety, love, generosity, reverence, and humility. Death forces the most profound questions to be asked, but mercilessly mocks those who sleep through its lessons. You know, good grief is something more than just something Charlie Brown used to say a lot. It's a reality that when grief, you can experience grief and it doesn't darken your heart, but it guides you towards wisdom. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life that we may grow in wisdom. There's wisdom to be found in moments like this, in days like today, in weeks like this week, pausing to reflect on the brevity of life. It causes us to pause and think about eternity, that Jesus Christ, he added eternity into the equation, not just for the future, but he added it into the equation for today. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not talking future tense, not talking past tense. I am the life. I'm available to you right now. And when so much of the world inebriates us with distractions, it's moments like this that sober us up again. And you know, to sum up these thoughts on death, I'll just share a story I've, sh I've shared here before, but Fred and I, we went to a, a lunch at Mango Mango in Hampton uh, probably a little over a year ago, and there was a waitress there who had just moved from Dallas 
Um, and she lived in Virginia Beach. She had been working there, driving on 64 every day to get to work, driving through the tunnel. And what she didn't realize driving through that tunnel is that it went underwater. Somehow, some way, she just she didn't recognize that it was going underwater. We didn't mock her. We just opened her eyes to the fact every day you are driving under the ocean. And it blew her mind. But you know what? The next day, I put money on it. She probably wasn't one of those people that came to the tunnel. And you know those people that realized, oh, I'm about to go underwater. And they slammed their brakes on. Right? Nobody likes those people. That probably wasn't her. Why? Because she knew for certain that there was light on the other side of that tunnel. That tunnel wasn't going to nowhere. And in the same way, we, we know that there's life at the other end of the tunnel because Jesus died, rose, and he's in heaven, right? Denise lived with that confidence. And even when she went through the tunnel, even when she went through the valley of the shadow of death, she kept faith. You know, praying for Denise over the past 48 hours again and again, there's so many passages that, like Psalm 23, they sound pretty in church. They sound pretty when you memorize them like Shakespeare. But then when you actually get into the nitty-gritty, when you're walking through it, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It becomes raw. It's more than just beauty. It's reality. And there's two things that Psalm 23 teaches us about the life, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. And the first is David opens saying, hey, the Lord is a shepherd. And when David wrote that, he was going through hell. One of the toughest times of his life. He was being persecuted, abused by his enemies, no doubt feeling engulfed and surrounded by crisis. The preceding Psalms, verses about suffering are, are, are so potent that they're considered prophetic to the suffering of Jesus Christ. Yet he starts Psalm 23 with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And up to this point, this is the most intimate metaphor he uses in the book of Psalms. He's called him king, deliverer, rock, shield. But here he speaks of God being his shepherd. Shepherds live with their flock. They never leave them. They never forsake them. It's this thought that gave David comfort in his time of crisis. And I pray it gives us comfort in our time tonight. That God, he's loving He's almighty. We know his character. We know his sovereignty, and he's our shepherd. And at the height of this analogy, he talks about God leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's not just a pretty word picture that only applies to David in his time. It's powerful because we read the gospel, and we realize that Christ came to die so that death would be a defeated enemy. Truly, just the shadow of death. You read the gospels, and Jesus says in John 10, I'm the shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. He says in John 14 that he goes to prepare a place for us. And that's the second identity we see in Psalm 23. He's our shepherd, but he's also a host. He's a host. David says at the end of Psalm 23, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, that metaphor changes as the shepherd becomes the host, and He's hosting Denise today, but he also, he prepares a table for us in the midst of our present adversaries, whether that's doubt, discouragement, frustration, bitterness, angst. I don't know what it is for you, but he promises communion with us at a table prepared by him. And David knew this in his hardest hours, and may we know it, and may we pull up a chair. You know, tonight we're going to go back into worship. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And, um, but when I introduced Psalm 23, I said it was probably one of the hardest times in David's life.
Because I know it also speaks in 2 Samuel to a time where the son he conceived with Bathsheba was dying. The infant son that he had with Bathsheba, he was distraught. He was beside himself when his son's health was failing. He wouldn't eat. He was sleeping on the, the bare ground. But when his son finally passed away, he got up and he worshiped God. Why? David's own words, he says, I will go to him one day, but he can't return to me. David, even before Jesus' resurrection, had faith in the resurrection of his son. And we too, in this moment, I believe, will find the faith and perspective we need by imitating David in his grief, both in his perspective and in his action. And because of this, we're going to go back into worship. But uh, Stephanie Birch had something she wanted to share to us just as a congregation in this season, in these days ahead. Are you still good to share it? No, you're, you're fine. But we're going to go back into worship. We're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to have people in the back to pray for you. Stephanie and Paul will be back there. Anthony and Amanda will be back there. But uh, you can come on ahead. So as I was uh, praying this morning and uh, wrestling with God over Denise, um, and I will say wrestling, I mean, uh, you know, God can handle our really big feelings about this. Um, he took me back to a word that Pastor Fred had given about three or four years ago, and it's from Exodus 15, 22 through 24 and 27. I just want to read it for you. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They, made, they, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And verse 27 says, Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. And what uh, Pastor Fred had mentioned at that time is that uh, in Numbers, it tells us that people had camped near Mara. Um, they had camped in a place of bitterness. And, you know, what happens in bitterness is we begin to grumble against the Lord. We begin to say things like, God doesn't heal. He doesn't do miracles anymore. He doesn't see me. He doesn't care about my circumstances. And then we begin to craft theology around our experience rather than what the Bible says. We stop praying big, scary prayers that bring heaven to earth, and we begin to settle, which leads to the second outcome. You know, some of us are contending for very big things, miraculous things that we need here uh, in City Life Suffolk. And what I want to remind you is that the Israelites camped out for a few days, but they didn't stay there. Uh, and up ahead, they found abundance. They found more than enough. So don't allow a season of bitterness, bitter waters, to stop your journey of believing God for bigger and better, more than you can ask or imagine. Don't settle for a single spring of bitter water that God can make sweet when up ahead there's greater abundance of provision just ahead. Um, you know, our churches are full of people who've removed the miraculous supernatural moves of God from their expectation. And I would just say that um, they are content to settle rather than be disappointed. And I will say I'm grievously disappointed today um, that the enemy hasn't changed my belief in his goodness or in his power or trust in his provision. 
And he took me to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh you know in every manner of death that the enemy wants to bring it is in our redeemed nature to bring the life of Jesus to it the enemy doesn't get to have a say in what we do with our pain and our heartache and our loss. You and I get to choose whether we camp at bitterness today or move into his provision. So let's invite the life of Jesus to be manifest in us. By all means, cry out, complain, wrestle with God, but don't camp where bitterness is. And if I could just pray for just a minute into that. Father God, I am thankful for your word. I am thankful for your power that even when we didn't see the outcome that we wanted in Denise's life, Lord, that we're not going to camp out in a place of bitterness. We will not let the enemy use this to diminish our expectation of your power and your glory in our lives in this church. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you could stand, we're going to go back into worship. But it says in Matthew 5, 4, Jesus, you said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God, and I just pray again for that comfort to be here tonight. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 that those who share in your suffering will also share in your comfort, God. God, I just pray that your spirit will be here tonight ministering to every heart. Again, if you need prayer, I'll be up here, but we got two couples back there that can pray for you. We're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to close out and worship. This is Denise, love to worship. So we're going to do it in honor of her, but we're going to praise Jesus Christ because it's, again, his name. Because of him that we can say it as well. It's because of him that we can stand and worship the same day Denise passed away and have full faith, full expectancy for good things because he's a good, good father and he's perfect in all of his ways. Let's worship him tonight. <laughs> 